Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. This week's message from Lead Pastor Neil Krauss is from the series Church Hunters. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and put them in your lap, hang on to them, and, and um, just hold on to those. We're going to be in 2 Thessalonians in just a few minutes. You know, you may have heard recently about an 11-year-old boy who just graduated from college. I was reading an article this past week about this boy. We've got a picture of him. We're going to put him up on the screen. His name is William Malus. He graduated from St. Petersburg College in two years. That means at the age of nine years old, William applied for and entered St. Petersburg College, and in two years, he graduated with a degree. He says his purpose in life is to become an astrophysicist. Talk about an amazing kid. And without even knowing him, I can tell you that he is very, very disciplined. He has to be. He has an extremely hard work ethic. He has to. To be able to graduate college starting at 9 and graduating at 11 years old, he has to have a lot of discipline in his life, and he has to be a very hard worker. I want us to hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to William a little bit later, because today we are in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, looking at verses 6 through 15. That's on page 990 of the Bible. It's under your chair. If you need that, you can grab that and look it up, page 990. Um, But would you please stand with me? We're going to read from God's Word, and we're going to see what He has to say. We're continuing our series in this, or our, our, yeah, our series titled Church Hunters, as we're learning about non-negotiables that God has for His church and what we should have on display in His church. Starting in verse 6, here's what Paul says. He says, now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person And have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. You can be seated. As always, I pray that the Lord would add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. So Paul is coming to a close of this fantastic letter that he's written to the church in Thessalonica. He has been giving them several non-negotiable items that they must be exhibiting in the church. And if you missed any of this series up until today, I highly recommend you go subscribe to the podcast, listen back to the series, because there are several non-negotiables that God has for his church. 
But basically, just like when hunting for a house, we have non-negotiables that, that we want our future home to have. We all do this. We put a list together and we say, you know, I want the, the master bathroom to have a double vanity because husband and wife have to get together. We have to be able to get ready at the same time and we don't want to be on top of each other. So double vanity, that's a non-negotiable. Maybe you said we've got to have a flat driveway because we want to have a basketball goal and our son's going to be the next Michael Jordan or LeBron James. So he's got to be able to play, right? So that's a non-negotiable for some of us. Or, or maybe you, it's got to be out in the country because you don't want your neighbors living on top of you. We all have a list of things that are non-negotiable. Well, there are certain non-negotiables that God has for his church. And they're much stronger non-negotiables than what we have for the home that we want to live in. But when we're searching for a church home, there should be certain non-negotiables that we look for in that church that should be on display. So today's non-negotiable, the first one that Paul talks about, is that we are to be a church that works diligently to do good. Paul says here, do not be idle. And he's speaking to the church, and it's a passage that I think sometimes is misunderstood. In fact, as I prayerfully studied for this sermon this week and I looked into the text and I started to really dive in and study it I realized that I misunderstood it a little bit because sometimes you know we might be familiar with a passage in the Bible and we can breeze past it and we can think well this is what that's speaking about because we heard a sermon before on what it speaks about and you see I have the task of preaching through the text so my study oftentimes helps me really grow in the Lord and learn new things. God teaches me through His Holy Spirit and what He's saying to me and what He wants to say to His church. So this is kind of fresh to me on what this text really means. So I'm even more excited this week to begin to share it with you. It may not be new to you, but it's, it's something that kind of opened my eyes this week of what this passage is really about. Because this passage often taught in this text is that good work, good work ethic is important. And that is true. That's very true. Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they poured themselves out. They were hard workers. They worked extremely hard, and they earned a living. So this is a very biblical concept, what you typically I would hear taught about this passage, and that can be learned from this scripture. That is an important learning from this, that we should work hard and give our best at everything we do, and we should give God the glory for it. I think that's a good teaching from this text, but I don't think it's necessarily a thorough teaching. I think we can dig a little bit deeper and we can glean a, a, a stronger biblical concept of, of this text as we dig into it. We see working hard, that's very important. But I think as we dig down a little bit deeper and we understand the context of this text, by, what, by that what I mean is when we look at the letter as a whole, when we look at who it's written to, when we look at the verses preceding this text, we're going to understand more fully what God is saying here through Paul. You see, this statement in the context of the letter that Paul has written to the church in Thessalonica, he's been laying out specific non-negotiables that the church should have on display. And he continues with that agenda here as he's wrapping up the letter. His whole focus throughout this letter has been their spiritual lives. We have to remember that. This letter is about their spiritual lives, not being tripped up by false teachers, about them being disciplined in their life, about them growing in the faith, about them being obedient to the Lord. Remember, we talked about being in Christ and believing in Christ means to follow him, not to just believe that he's the son of God, but then to live it out with our lives and to follow him. So all of this letter has been about their spiritual lives. So it makes sense that this would continue with their spiritual lives, not just their physical work lives. So while a work ethic is important, there's something deeper here that he's getting at. So he continues with that theme in these verses. So when he speaks of work versus idleness here, he's referring to the work that we put into our walk with the Lord. 
So this isn't simply, hey, go to your job and do your best and give your best as a, as a testimony to the Lord. While that's important, what he's getting at is our work that we're putting into our walk with the Lord. How hard are you working? How dil diligently are you working on your walk with the Lord? Are you working hard at that? Are you disciplined in that? Or are you idle in your walk with the Lord? And what's important here is we see this as a command. Verse 6 says, Now we command you, brothers... And we don't just command you, but we command you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the command? That you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. Now, this is a command. It's not a request. This is not Paul saying, hey guys, listen, it's going to be a good idea if you work hard on your spiritual life. He's not saying, you know what, this might be something that you want to do. No, he's saying this is a command in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that you be disciplined and that you stay away from idleness. So we've got to dig a little deeper and see what does that really mean? He says, keep away from anyone who walks in idleness. That sounds harsh. When we first read that, we think, surely, that, is that really what God means? It's a confusing statement when you just read past it and you just accept it. So you've got to dig into its meaning so that it will make sense. So what does it mean to walk in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us? Well, Paul uses a military term here for the word idleness. And that term literally means to live an undisciplined life. So Paul is telling them, he's telling the church, you avoid those who claim to be a part of the church, but who just sit idly by. You avoid those who claim to be Christians, your brothers and sisters in Christ, but they refuse to do any of the work of the Lord. So he's saying, if they're not doing what we have commanded them, then you keep away from them. And he's talking about those who won't participate in the work of the church. All right. So why would Paul say that? Why would he say that to them? Do you remember last week Paul asked them to pray and he said, pray that any hindrances be removed so that the gospel speed ahead. So we have to ask ourselves, do we think that the gospel will speed ahead if we all sit idly by? If this church sits idly by and lives undisciplined lives, is the gospel going to speed ahead in New Albany? No. We have to be disciplined in our lives. We have to live godly lives. We have to live lives in Christ. We have to look like Christ. If we don't, if we sit idle, then the world looks at us and says, they don't live out what they believe. They don't really believe that because they're living undisciplined lives just like the rest of the world. So Paul's saying you guard against that. You have to be disciplined. And that's why he says you stay away from idleness. He's warning against those in the church. Remember, this is written to the church. So he's warning against those in the church who are not living in Christ. Those who are not doing what God has commanded. You see, the reality is that there will be those who do not really have faith, who will sit idly by and will try to distract the church from its mission. So Paul's saying, you stay away from anyone who's walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. Stay away from those who claim to live like Jesus, but don't live like Jesus. He's saying you stay away from those who want the title, but not the responsibility. You see, there's a responsibility that comes along with claiming that I'm a Christian. It means that I look like Christ. And that doesn't mean I always will, because I'm also in the flesh. So I'm going to fail sometimes and make mistakes, but I'm going to be humble about that, repent of it, and look like Christ. 
and strive to look like him and to follow him. He's saying if someone claims to be a Christian and they're not doing that, get away from them. Have you ever tried to encourage someone along spiritually and they just don't want to do anything to change or to grow? They continue to be in the same rut and they won't do anything to change? Then he's saying you move along to someone else who doesn't want to sit idle because those who sit idle and live undisciplined lives, what happens is they will drag you down and they will slow the gospel from speeding ahead. And that's what Paul said to pray against. Pray against those hindrances. We want the gospel to speed ahead. Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they'd set a great example for them because that's what great leaders do. Leaders lead by example. And that's what they did. So in verses 7 through 9, Paul says, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. They set the example. They weren't idle. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have that right, but to give you and ourselves an example to imitate. You see, Paul lived his life to be an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And he's saying, you follow me as I follow Christ. He's saying, that's what the church is supposed to do as well. That's a non-negotiable of the church is that we look like Jesus. And he says, when we were with you, we were not idle, meaning we were not undisciplined. We lived lives of discipline. You do the same. They lived very disciplined lives. He said, we didn't eat anyone else's food without paying for it, meaning we were honest, we were upright, we did the right thing. We worked night and day so we wouldn't be a burden to anyone. They made sure they were not a burden to the church or a burden to anyone around them so that anyone could say, oh, they're just mooching off the church. No, they, they worked hard night and day. He said, we had the right to support of others, but we chose to be an example. In other words, as the leaders, they could have set back. They could let everyone else serve them. They could let everyone else take care of them. He said, but we didn't do that. We set the example for you of being diligent and working hard. So Paul was willing to be completely spent for the sake of the gospel. And he's saying, you do the same. And then he proclaims, if someone is not willing to work, they should not eat. And for us today, that sounds like, wow, that's so harsh. Surely people have got to eat. I mean, if somebody's hungry, I'm going I'm to provide food for them. But here's what verse 10 says. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. And while that seems harsh, Paul knew a biblical truth. He knew if people get hungry enough, they'll work. It's kind of like when our kids were little, we always had a rule that when we put a a meal on the table you had to eat at least three bites of everything we said you may not like the broccoli you might not like lima beans you might not like what's on the plate but you're going to eat at least three bites and and sometimes they would look at it and they would just eat the three bites and that's all they would have but what we knew as parents is while they're going to be kind of hungry we knew that sooner or later they're going to get hungry enough and they're going to eat sooner or later they're going to eat what's put in front of them and here's what paul knew he knew that if people were hungry, sooner or later, they would work. So he was saying, if they're not willing to work, don't feed them. Tomorrow, they'll be hungry, and they'll do some work. But what he's talking about is those unwilling to work, not those unable to work. Because you see, of course, the church should help those who are unable to work. As individuals and as a church, we have a responsibility to help and to care for those who cannot provide for themselves, those who cannot help themselves. That's why we support ministries in the local area like 
Hope Southern Indiana, who helps those who can't help themselves, helps those who maybe are injured and cannot work to pay their bills, helps those who are, are in the streets and, and not able to help themselves, helps them get back on their feet and to then begin to help themselves. Nomad Church Collective reaches out to those marginalized, those who are homeless and those who need help. Um, Clean Socks Hope we've, we've supported, who helps people who truly need help. So this principle, it applies to those who are physically hungry, but it also applies to spiritual hunger. You see, if someone's not willing to be disciplined in spiritual things, then he says, let them go. Soon they'll get hungry and they'll want to eat. You know, here's the thought. If all you do is you rely upon the weekend service to feed you with God's word, then you're going to go spiritually hungry. You've got to to have discipline in your life, spiritual disciplines in your life, where you're having a quiet time to daily seek God and you're learning to feed yourself, where you're reading scripture so that you're being fed by God. You're praying and spending time with the Lord. You're studying with other believers in a group so that you are being fed. You're serving together, which then in turn feeds you as well, relationally and spiritually. And then you're being generous with what God has given you so that you're growing in the Lord and you are getting spiritual nourishment. You see, this principle of work applies to our physical and our spiritual lives. It takes work for us to grow spiritually. If we just sit idly by, our spiritual muscles atrophy, and we get weaker, not stronger. So we have to work at it. We have to put effort into it. We have to be diligent. And Paul continues with concern for the church to get rid of any idleness. And remember, that means those living undisciplined lives. He has harsh words for them. In verses 11 through 12, he says, For we hear... But some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. As such persons, we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So Paul is concerned that the Thessalonians deal with this issue. He says, we keep hearing that there's idleness in your church and this needs to stop. And he calls them busybodies. He says, there's busybodies in your church, and a busybody is someone who goes around and wants to know everybody's business, wants to talk about everything, wants to be on every team, but does not want to do any of the work. So Paul's literally saying, if there are those who are just hanging around, and they just want to be a part of the team, but they won't do anything, then he's saying, there's concern there. They need to start doing something. Those that get caught up in undisciplined idleness, he warns, don't be a busybody. But get busy quietly doing the work of the Lord. That's what he says. Here's what we encourage you in Jesus Christ to do. Quietly get busy doing the work of the Lord. Meaning there's no need to boast about what you've done. There's no need to talk about and brag about what you're doing. But don't make a big deal about it. You just quietly serve the Lord in obedience to what he's called you to do. You quietly follow him and obey him. And then he will do work through you. Then he tells them, do not grow weary in what is doing right. Because it will not always be easy. Here's the truth. When you're doing what's right, when you're quietly doing the work of the Lord, there may not be a lot of accolades he says don't grow weary you just keep doing good you just keep doing what God's called you to do so why do they need this encouragement because it goes against the flow of this world for us to work hard at everything we do for us to keep quiet about that and not not talk about all the things that we're doing and to live a disciplined life that's a difficult thing to do it's hard so he's saying don't grow weary God will give you the strength that you need. You rely on the Lord. Do you remember last week's text? It's right before this. He said, may the Lord direct your hearts. 
May the Lord direct your hearts. Once again, as you try to do good in this world, it will be difficult. But don't grow weary, he says, because God will strengthen you. God will give you what you need. By the power of his Holy Spirit that lives within you, you can draw strength from him and rely on him, and he will give you what you need. Because there will be some around you who are going to live undisciplined lives. There will be some around you who will be idle. And what tends to happen is those who live undisciplined lives want others with them. And they will drag you into their undiscipline with them. When they do, he says, here's how you respond. Verses 14 through 15. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now, at first glance, this is a very difficult verse. If you took, this is a prime example, if you took just this, these two verses, pulled them out of the Bible, and set them in isolation, this seems extremely harsh. This seems not loving. This seems like it's not showing grace to others. But we have to look at it within the context, and we have to dig deeper. Anytime you come across a text and you, you go, wow, that just doesn't seem like God's character, God's nature, that we're just going to have nothing to do with that person anymore, that confuses me. You've got to dig deeper. You've got to find out the original meaning of the text. You've got to understand the context. So we've got to dig into this verse a little bit more and understand the original intent. If we look at the amplified version of the Bible, which gives us a more literal translation of the original Hebrew and Greek, if we read that, we'll make a little more sense. Here's what it says in the amplified version. Now, if anyone in the church, first of all, that's what we've got to remember. If anyone in the church, if anyone who claims to be a brother or sister in Christ, anyone claiming to be a follower of Jesus, if anyone inside of the church does not obey what we say in this letter, in other words, they're not looking like Christ, they're not following Jesus, they're not doing what God says to do, so they're in the church, not living a disciplined life, then take special note of that person. Notice, take notice and do not associate with him, so that he will be ashamed, and what? Repent. The goal here is repentance, okay? And repent. Do not regard him as an enemy. So in other words, don't just cast him off, but keep admonishing him. Keep, right? So you're still there with him. Keep admonishing him as what? A believing brother, you claim to believe in Jesus Christ. You claim to be a Christian, but you're not living the life. You're not disciplined, and you're not looking like Jesus. Then the role for the church is to then come alongside of you and admonish you and try to help you as a believing brother. But then there's that do not associate with him there. What does that mean? That's difficult. So he's saying, if you have a believing brother or sister in Christ that is living an undisciplined life, they're idle in their life, they're not obeying what God has instructed in his word, he says, you take note of them, you notice, but you do not associate with them. So we have to dig in and find out, what does that mean? That means don't do what they're doing. That's what this means. Do not do what they're doing. The literal definition of the phrase associate with is to be involved with a group as a result of shared interests or goals. So, you've got a brother or sister in Christ. They're living undisciplined life. They're not following Jesus. He's saying you don't join them in that undisciplined part of their life. You do not go there. You remain a friend. You encourage them in the Lord, but you do not join them in their idleness. And what does that do? What does that do when we don't join someone else in their undisciplined life? Well, it leaves them all alone in their undisciplined lifestyle. And according to this verse, they will be ashamed and repent. 
So to be put to shame literally means to turn in on oneself. So if my brothers and sisters in Christ do not join me in my idleness, say I've got an area in my life that I'm idle, I'm, I'm not following God, I'm not in His will, then they don't join me in it. That leaves me alone to then look inwardly on myself and the Holy Spirit inside of me will then convict me of what I'm doing wrong and my idleness, I will feel shame, I will feel conviction and repent of that. But you see, our first thought is, well, I don't want to shame anyone. I don't want to bring shame on anybody or embarrass them or come across as self-righteous because I'm not going to participate in their activity. And that's why Paul says this in verse 15, do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So you see, we've got a brother or sister in Christ and they've got this area of their life that's a mess and it's not looking like Jesus. What he's saying is, you don't just say, you're a sinner, and move away from them. You don't just say, I can't believe you're doing that, and you're, you're in full sin, and, and get away from them. No, he says, you love them. You love your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you lovingly let them know that I, you're, you're slipping into an undisciplined area, and I'm not going to join you in that undisciplined area in your life. But I'm here for you, and I desire to help you. And I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to be here for you. You see, that is our non-negotiable number two for today, to be a church that lovingly seeks restoration and reconciliation for those who are idle. You see, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus is about reconciliation, restoration, not rejection. Reconciliation, restoration, that's our goal. This person in your life that, that is living an undisciplined life, that, that has an area of their life, that they are idle, they are not the enemy. They are just the most recent target of the enemy. Because it's the enemy's goal that we would slip into idleness in our life, that we would slip into the ways of the world, that we would, we would fade away from working hard and diligently on doing what God's called us to do. If you remember just a few verses earlier, we talked about this last week. Paul said, pray for us that the word of the Lord would speed ahead. And the word of the Lord does not speed ahead if we are idle. If we're sitting idle, the word of the Lord cannot speed ahead through our undisciplined lives. So there must be discipline in our lives. We must be trying to look more like Jesus. We must be working at it, having a hard work ethic on our spiritual life and in everything that we do. You know what? We need each other to be reminded and warned when we become idle. So we have to live humbly Understanding that when a brother or sister comes and says, hey, I'm not going to participate with you in that area of life, that we take an introspective look at ourselves and say, is this area of my life outside of God's will? Because the reality is God has a purpose for you. And that purpose is to bring glory to God. And we do that when we work hard in all that we do, especially when we work hard in our spiritual lives. I want to bring up that picture of William Malus again. The reason why I'm so amazed by this kid is this. And again, I don't know him, but I can learn something about him by what he's done and by what he says. Here's what he says about his life and his goals of becoming an astrophysicist. He said, I want to prove that God exists through science so that the world can know. This kid's 11 years old. He is on fire with a passion to let the world know that God is real. He's got a purpose in his life. 
He's clearly working hard. He's clearly not sitting idle. He desires that the gospel speed ahead. And my prayer for all of us is that we would live lives that are focused on speedily advancing the gospel of Jesus. So when we look at our non-negotiables for today, we'll be a church that works diligently to do good. We'll be a church that lovingly seeks restoration and reconciliation for those who are idle. We need to understand we can do that wherever we are. William Malus is doing it where he is as an 11-year-old. And my prayer is that your job would have more purpose tomorrow on Monday when you go to, go to work because you recognize that God has you where you are with a purpose to speedily advance his gospel message. You see, it's not necessarily about your job. It's about where God has you and the people he surrounded you with. May we look at that things differently and understand that God's got a plan for you. May school be different tomorrow and on purpose tomorrow because you understand that God has you there to help speedily move ahead his gospel message. May we wake up each and every day recognizing that it takes discipline to live a life that does good. May we recognize now that those around us who are idle could possibly drag us into that idleness and we have to, one, help them, but we also have to stay away from idleness. You see, God has a purpose for you. May you spend every day seeking ways to lovingly restore your brothers and sisters in Christ who might be idle. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Christian brothers and sisters, God has given you a ministry, and it's a ministry of reconciliation. It is to speedily take ahead the gospel message. So how are we doing? How are we doing as individuals? Are we bringing the message of reconciliation to the world around us? How's the church as a whole doing at being speedily bringing the gospel through the message of reconciliation of Jesus Christ to the world? Is the gospel advancing speedily through our community? How are we doing at that? In a recent study on the church, findings revealed that over the next 30 years, they will represent the largest mission opportunity in North America. We have an incredible opportunity in front of us in North America. This is the mission field. You don't have to go to some third world country to do missions. According to this study, findings revealed that between now and the year 2050, it's estimated that there will be upwards of 35 million younger men and women who claim Christ and were associated with the church who will leave their faith over the next 30 years. 35 million. That's because of idleness, because of undisciplined lives. Here's what the study says. It's up on the screens for you. It is the largest and fastest numerical shift in religious affiliation in the history of this country. Even in the most optimistic scenarios, Christian affiliation in the U.S. shrinks dramatically. And in our base case, over one million youth at least, nominally in the church today, will choose to leave each year for the next three decades. 35 million youth raised in families that call themselves Christian will say they're not by the year 2050. Now, whether this study is right or not, those projections are devastating. 
those projections on what the church is going to look like in 2050, that should rock us to the core. What we've been learning throughout this series is that nothing can stop the gospel of God from advancing. But you know what? Something can slow it. The enemy's trying to slow it down. He's doing everything he can to keep us from speedily moving ahead the gospel of Jesus. So we've got to make sure we're not idle. Because when we live idle lives, our kids watch. And when our kids see idleness, they do what is modeled for them. We have to guard against idleness. And we have to be diligently working hard to look like Christ if we claim we're Christians. Now, another statistic I want to share with you is that currently 4,000 evangelical churches are planted every year in the United States. That is awesome. We're one of those. Six and a half years ago, Forward Church started. Every year, there are 4,000 churches planted across the United States. Good news. However, the enemies are work. Because currently, 3,700 evangelical churches close their doors every year. Why? Why do 3,700 evangelical churches close their doors every year? It's because far too many Christians are living idle, undisciplined lives. So we have to hear the urgency of Paul here. This is why Paul gives a command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, hey, you should work hard on your spiritual life. He commands it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because we do not. We do not have the luxury as followers of Jesus to be idle. We don't have that. God is calling us. He's calling on us to move the gospel of Jesus speedily ahead through our community. Do you know how we do that? By living disciplined lives, by working hard for the gospel of Jesus. Imagine what God could do through us right here if this whole group decided there's not going to be any idleness in my life. I'm not going to allow idleness to happen. I'm not going to allow undiscipline to happen in my life. And we strive towards reconciliation. God's church, listen to this, the gospel message of reconciliation through Jesus Christ is a very powerful thing. And when the church gathers together in unity, when we get on the same page, when we start moving in the same direction, when every one of us says, I'm not going to be idle, I'm going to strive to look like Christ in everything I do, I'm going to strive to bring the message of reconciliation to every relationship that I have, when we get in unity like that, God does amazing things. But it starts with you individually. Starts with every single person in the church saying, I'm going to guard against idleness. So you have to ask yourself today has God been pointing to an area in your life? Has He been showing you through this that there's an area in your life that's undisciplined? Has He been showing you that there's an area in your life where you're sitting idle? If so, I pray that you repent of that today. That you repent of that and that you move forward towards God because He has a plan for you. And his plan is to use you to speedily move ahead his message of reconciliation to the world. And that's his desire. And that's my desire that the forward church would speed ahead the gospel. 
but it takes each of us having that passion and that desire to look like Jesus. And then he'll use us. So, you know, some of you in here today, maybe you've never made the decision to follow Christ. Maybe today for the first time you're saying, I need to just come and I need to say, God, I want to follow Jesus. Would you help me do that? You can do that today as we open up the altar and you can make this the day that you say, I'm going to become a part of the church and I'm going to help speedily move ahead the gospel of Jesus. You can come to the altar and you can pray and we'll celebrate with you. Others of you today, maybe you realize and you recognize there's an area of idleness in your life. Every one of us deals with it, so there's no shame in that. Again, it's a matter of us being humble And coming to the altar and saying, God, this area of my life is idle. I've been undisciplined in this specific area, and you've shown me today. May today be the day that you hit your knees before the Lord and you say, no more. God, I'm no longer going to be idle, but I'm going to be disciplined in my life to follow you, and I can't wait to see what you're going to do through me. Others of us, maybe as we've sat here, someone in your life has come into your mind. Someone in your life that you are close to and you recognize that they are living in idleness. And maybe they need you to lovingly intercede on behalf of the Lord and to to share with them and to, to help them be restored and reconciled with Jesus. Maybe you need to come to the altar and you just need to lift them up in prayer and you need to lift your relationship up in prayer and you maybe you need wisdom and God, how do I approach this? Well, it's with love and with a heart of restoration. That's how you approach it. Whatever it is, if you're sensing God working in your heart and you want to come to the altar and pray, we invite you to do that as we worship Him. I'm going to pray, then we'll open up the altar, and let's allow God to do something great. He wants to use us. He wants the gospel to move ahead. But it starts with us. Let's pray. Father, what a challenging word you've given to us. Lord, your grace is so good. Your love for us is so great. And God, many of us in this room, we just need to repent right now of areas that we've been idle. As we've listened to this sermon and we've heard the urgency in Paul's writing, as he commands the church to guard against idleness, against undisciplined lives, Father, I'm sure many of us in this room are are thinking of areas where we need discipline. God, would you show us, reveal us to us. God, search our hearts and reveal to us areas that we need discipline, areas that we need your help. God, help us recognize that it's not about our works and and putting um, things into place to try to have discipline, but it's about your spirit living inside of us and that it's through Christ alone that we can do this. So may we rest on the power of Jesus to equip us, to strengthen us, to encourage us to live lives of discipline that reflect your glory. God, if in this room today we've been trying in our own strength, trying in our own efforts, and we've fallen short and we've realized that we lack the discipline, Lord, may we come today and bow at the altar and say, God, I want to follow Jesus and allow your Holy Spirit to come inside of me, to empower me and to strengthen me and to help me. God, I pray anyone thinking through that would come forward and just humbly bow before you. Others of us just feel you working on our hearts to be more disciplined in areas. God, may we come and humbly bow before you. 
Others of us maybe need help in a relationship with someone we know who's struggling with this. May we come and may we bow before you and be strengthened and encouraged by you. And may each of us leave here today ready to take the ministry of reconciliation through Jesus Christ to the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as lead pastor Neil Krause continues in the series, Church Hunters. For more information about forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.